Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Jesus' message was very simple and very concise. And it started with John the Baptist. John the Baptist came and said, repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And so if you knew someone was preaching a message of repentance in Yuma, would you drive there to go see it? Would you drive there to go listen to it? Chances are, if you're like me, I wouldn't do it. That maybe I would, I would check it on the, uh, see if it's on the internet, see if I can find some other ways like that. But, but I don't know, that, that, that just a message of repentance. That is, unless maybe some things were going on in my life. Maybe if things weren't going right, that if I was looking for something, if I was looking for answers, that if I had an itch that I couldn't scratch when it came to my relationship with God and what is going on in my life, or maybe problems I'm having with my marriage, or problems I'm having with my family, or problems that I'm having at work, and I just don't know what to do or where to go, I might drive down there to give it a listen. What, what can it hurt? What can it hurt to go out and listen to this John the Baptist or to listen to this Jesus from Nazareth to hear what this message of repentance and forgiveness, repent, confess your sins and turn from them and believe that God has forgiven you. Simple. I already have the message down. I don't need to do that. I don't need to go listen anymore. But we do. And, and so what Jesus did is he's, as they came and they came to hear a message that at its core is repentance, confessing your sin to God and knowing that through God your sins are forgiven, that he, he, he broadened and he expanded on that message. And his most popular sermon, if you would want to call it most well-known sermon, is the Sermon on the Mount. And it's because he went up on a mountainside. And, and maybe you've heard part of the sermon before, but I'm going to share with you the first words of it from Matthew 5, verses 3 and 4. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And now that message is a little bit different from a message of, of repentance and forgiveness when it comes to getting my attention. And all of it comes from that first word, blessed. Do I want to drive down to Yuma to hear a message of repentance and forgiveness? Not necessarily. But do I want to drive down there for a blessing? Yeah. That's now worth my time. Now you have my attention. And maybe even as you hear those words, you are going to be blessed by God. All of us hear it through a filter. We all do. Because all of us down deep have an idea that when we go to God, it's the things we pray for. It is the things we desperately want. We want to be blessed by God. And maybe you have an idea of what that blessing looks like. Many people do. 
blessing from God I'm looking for is my health. And many people went to Jesus looking for that blessing and received it. Other people, when they think of the blessing, they, they think of wealth. They're like, yeah, I want to go that. I want to have more. And, and many people who profess to be Christian have that. Maybe not many. Some. Or when you think of blessing, you want the pain to go away. You want the hurt to go away. You want the relationship to be better. You want the misery to stop. Whatever it is, you hear that word and I, you say, I want to be blessed. So when Jesus said blessed, all of a sudden the ears perked up. But then what happened is, is Jesus gave a way of being blessed that is not palatable to most people. Blessed, how are you blessed? You are blessed when you are poor in spirit. Are you kidding me? That's why I want blessings, so I'm not poor in spirit. I'm going there because I am poor, and I'm going to be the blessed. I want to go blessed, so I'm not poor anymore. Jesus is going back to the main message again, repentance and forgiveness. If you truly want to be blessed, you need to go into the bank account, the spiritual bank account, and realize that as you begin to count it, you are bankrupt. That if you truly want the blessing to start, you have got to be honest with yourself and you need to be honest with God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And why? Because when I go there and I take account and I realize what God truly has to offer in the forgiveness of sins, the message, right? Repentance and forgiveness. Now all of a sudden I begin to see myself differently, that I'm spiritually rich, not from myself, not from what I've done, but from what God has done for me. Blessed are those who mourn. I don't want to mourn. I don't. I don't want to be sad. That's why I'm here. I'm going to God because I want to be happy. That's what I want, is I want some semblance of happiness in my life. And so I go to Jesus, and he talks about blessing, and he gets my attention, and he does the bait and switch, where he, he says, yeah, you'll be blessed, and then gives me exactly what I already have. But Jesus says no, because we're going back to the message message of repentance and forgiveness and the blessings that come when you mourn over your spiritual condition. When you begin to realize that when I look at all the problems in my life, they have all, all have one common denominator, all have one common cause. And I look at it every morning when I look in the mirror. That, that Jesus makes us see that the biggest issues we face in our lives are not the issues it's us. That when you truly are looking forward to the blessing, that if you truly want the blessing that God has to offer, it starts by going in these places we don't like to go and, and, and looking in that mirror and, and seeing something we don't want to see. A little bit later, same sermon. If you want to read the sermon, it's Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7. It's three chapters Later on, in, in chapter 6, so halfway through, he says this. But seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That as you seek and, and you make it your mission and you cry aloud for it, that you want that wisdom, that's what Proverbs tells us, you cry aloud for it. You search for it as for hidden treasure. I am not leaving here without getting this from God. 
that when you do that, by, by going away from the things that you want, that in the midst of, of that, the blessing that you so greatly desire comes to you. Fill in the blank. Blessedness does not come from chasing happiness. If you learn nothing else today, learn that. Blessedness does not come from chasing happiness. Blessedness comes from pursuing righteousness. If you don't understand this truth, come over to my house and try to pet my dog, Chico. Chico won't let me pet him. If I go and I, you walk in the house and you're like, oh, Chico, you're such a cute little dog, I want to pet you. You will chase that dog all around the house and he will not let you pet him. But if you sit down on the couch, he will be in your lap within 30 seconds. Blessedness and happiness is like that. That when you go and you make that your mission, that's what I want. I want to be happy. This is what I want. The Bible nowhere says, blessed is the one who searches for happiness. And, and even you can argue here that the word happiness, which, which many people see as a negative because it's a short term, it, it's like happiness only lasts for a period of time. Another word you could use is joy, which is something that is more lasting, but, but however you look at this, that, that if that is something that you truly want, you want something that is lasting, that it comes from pursuing righteousness, not happiness. Now, as a setup to our lesson, we're going to be in Psalm 32, and we're going to be reading through it. It's written by David, and we're told specifically when it was written by David. It was written after David committed adultery with Bathsheba. And if you don't know the story, it's in, it's in 2 Samuel chapter 10 and 11, uh, that you go in there, and, and what you see is David, who is, a, who is called a, a man after God's own heart, gave up pursuing blessedness and started pursuing happiness. And when you start reading the chapter, the very first verse, the very first verse is so telling it says, in the spring, when kings go to war, David went to his palace. You, you, you look at those, and maybe those words don't, don't mean much to you, but, but what David was doing, finally, after all the things that he had gone through, David thought to himself, you know what? I've been working hard as the king. I've been fighting hard. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take early retirement. I'm going to take it easy. I know God has called me here to this, to this role as the king of the country, but you know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to let Joab do it. Joab can handle it. He can handle the troops. He'll, he can mop up with these people. And if they have any questions, they can call me. But what happened is David said, you know what? I'm going to start pursuing happiness. I'm going to start pursuing the good life. I'm going to start doing all those things that, that maybe I wanted to do. And now I have the money to do it. And where does it leave him? On the top of his palace, bored out of his mind. When I'm not doing what God wants me to do, all of a sudden I have this time on my hands and, and we know that those, that's the devil's playground. 
It's the times when we're bored, when we don't know what to do, when we're not doing what we're supposed to do, that's when Satan comes in and says, pursue happiness. Do all the things that are going to make you feel good. So as he's standing up there and he's looking, his appetite kicks in, and that's when he sees Bathsheba. So does he pursue righteousness? And does he, as he sees her, as he sees her on a, another building, bathing herself, does he pursue righteousness and say, you know what, as long as I'm not off fighting, you know what I should probably do that's long overdue? I should probably work on my marriage. That maybe what I need to do is go down and, and, and reestablish that relationship that has been gone for so long. But, but that's not what he wanted to do. David wasn't pursuing righteousness. He was pursuing happiness. And so then he, he sent for Bathsheba, and that's when they, they had sex, and that's, he got her pregnant. And then he ran into this another group of issues where now she became pregnant. Now what's going to happen? Her husband's away at war doing what David is supposed to be doing. So he sends for him to come back, and, and, and he says, okay, I, I can cover this up. I'm going to seek happiness. I still don't want to face it. I still don't want to come clean. So then he ended up having Uriah come back, getting him drunk, but Uriah was so committed to the troops, he wouldn't go home and and be with his wife. Instead, he, he slept each night at the door of the palace. And finally, David, when he realized this wasn't gonna work, wrote, wrote a letter to Joab, put it in an envelope, gave it to Uriah that basically said, put Uriah up in the front of the troops uh, when, when fighting is fierce, have everyone pull back. I want Uriah dead. And it happened. Here's the deal. When you pursue happiness, not only do you not get happiness, you also lose righteousness. But when you pursue righteousness... When you pursue righteousness and you, and you pursue the Lord and in a relationship with him, I am not going to tell you you are happy all the time, but I am going to tell you that as you pursue righteousness, blessedness follows. Blessedness, as you sit and as you sit in the presence of the Lord, blessedness is like Chico jumping on your lap. It is almost surprising that because you, your, your focus and attention isn't on it, but it's on the God alone who can grant it through his son. I just want to stop for a moment. This, this is so important. So, so blessedness comes from pursuing righteousness, not happiness. But the final thing that, that, that just so you don't misunderstand, when I say righteousness by pursuing righteousness, I am not saying that it comes from trying to be a better person. I am not saying that it comes from working harder. I am not saying that it comes from being the type of person that God wants you to be. That will come. But that also isn't the things that we chase. When, When we have the righteousness, Paul talks about it in the book of Philippians when he talks about all the things he had done in his life, the good things. And he talks about how he had been a good person at church and and given his offering and showed up every week and was on a ministry team and in a growth group and all those different things. And he said, as I look at those things that I'd done, I consider them rubbish. I consider them garbage compared to 
a relationship with God, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but a righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ and in a relationship with him. And so when Jesus is saying this, talking about blessedness, blessedness does not come from pursuing happiness, but it also, blessedness does not come from pursuing perfection in your life. It comes from pursuing the righteousness which we only have through Jesus Christ. This is getting the horse ahead of the cart where it needs to be to pull you through your life. That is where blessedness was come. That was the message of Jesus. It wasn't be a better person. It wasn't love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and love your neighbor as, a, as yourself and then you'll be righteous. As a matter of fact, the Sermon on the Mount shows that as you go through that, that's what the demand is from God, but you are not that. And that's what David found out in a very difficult and public way. And that's why we go to Psalm 32 right now. This is what David says. It's almost like Jesus might be stealing some of David's material or vice versa. Blessed, blessed is the one. You want to know who's blessed? Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit there is no deceit. He's not saying blessed is the one who's perfect. As a matter of fact, he's saying just the opposite, transgression. Another word for that is rebellion. Blessed is the one who has in their past rebellion and, and missing the mark and crossing the line and not being what God wanted them to be. They are blessed. They are blessed when they take that brokenness and that unworthiness and bring it to God to cover. David had tried to cover it. He had tried it himself and it didn't work. Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to be blessed? Point number one, take your past and failings, your weakness and your sin to God. Take your past, your failings, your weakness, and your sin to God. Enough already. It's time to go to the dump. It is time to take all of this. It, it is time to take that and take it to, to Jesus Christ at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I, I'm, not, I'm done with this. I have had enough of it. There is only one place I can go with it, and that is to you. The second one, seek righteousness. That righteousness, a way to be right with God that comes only through Jesus Christ as your Savior. And stop rationalizing and minimizing your actions and your behavior. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. It's not that big a deal. This is why I did it. This is, this is why. Rationalizing is always having an excuse. Always having an excuse. And minimizing is like that. It's not that big a deal. This isn't rebellion. This isn't all that. This is just me making some mistakes. No, this is damnable behavior that deserves hell as punishment. That's what it is. That's what God calls it. And finally, when David got to a point where, where he called it that, now he got to a point where he could truly be righteous. 
And the fact that with this, David lets everyone know. The, the idea of David holding on to his reputation, that ship sailed the day he wrote these words. And he's like, you know what? I don't care. I don't care if anyone finds out. I don't care because it shows how great my God is and how blessed I am to simply have a relationship with him. We continue. When I kept silent, okay, so, so first of all, as we're looking at this, David is speaking, and it's kind of like David is speaking to the people and he's speaking to God. And so the first part is when he's speaking to the congregation, he's saying, you know what, this, if you want to be blessed, this is how you can be blessed. But now what David does is he goes to his own story, his own experience. David is saying, this is what I found. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. If you want to have your own righteousness, if you want to work your way, if you want it based on what you do, this is the life you have chosen. A life in constant fear of being exposed. What if people find out what I am really like? What if they see through the facade? What if all of the, the lies, the, the, the network of lies and, and the, the things that I want people to see, what if that comes crashing down? You're living in fear of, of them seeing you for who you truly are. In the blank, you can write, guilt always destroys everything. Notice, I use two. It always destroys everything. That is not exaggeration. It always destroys everything it touches. And another thing happens is God loves us enough to put pressure on our hearts. This wasn't just David going through a depression over what he had done, although that might be part of it. It wasn't just David going through an anxiety over the things that he had done and people finding out. This is God putting his hand on David and wearing him out. And, and the way that God does that with us many times is through our conscience. When our consciences are bothering us so badly that we, we can't live with ourselves. Why do people go, why do they commit crimes that they, they, they take so much time to, to do and then they go in and they confess to a police officer? Why does that happen? Because they can't live with it. They can't live with themselves. What have I done? I thought I could do this and then still be thinking about myself as a good person or what have I become? And that is why it's so cleansing to confess. To confess is when you finally say enough already because it destroys everything it touches. Thank God for your conscience. Thank God for the feelings of guilt that you have. Thank God, even today, I know it's hard. Thank God for the misery for the misery that leads you to righteousness. Because in the pursuit of righteousness, there is misery. And that misery comes with sin. Then he says, then I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I went a different route. Then now I'm going to say it out loud. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Thank you, Jesus. That, that, David, if you've ever been in a situation like that where you finally let it out, enough, 
enough already. I'm going to come clean. And it's like a dam burst. Finally, it's out. And that sin that had had its arms wrapped around you and around your throat, when you turn the light on and the light of confession and the light of forgiveness, it doesn't have the strength that it had before. And that is the other part, just, just so you know, that's how you find out who your true friends are. And the people that you gather around yourself, that they, that they embrace you because they also have a blessedness that comes from seeking a righteousness that only Christ can give. And that's why as you share with them, they, they are not, well, maybe they might be appalled for a moment from your sin. But when they are honest, they realize it's no more than what they've confessed to God. They owe the same as Jesus talked about, the 10,000 bags of gold. The, the debt that's so big you cannot pay back. There is not one person here who doesn't have that same debt. And if they say they don't, they're pursuing a righteousness that comes not from Jesus Christ and they are doomed to failure and misery. In the blank, you can write, I can't hide the truth from God. I can't hide the truth. So stop. He already knows. The, the, here's the secret. The reason why you confess is not for God's sake. It's for your own. God knows. You don't think he knows everything you've done in your life? My goodness. Confess your sin to him. God declares me not guilty. What happens? He forgives my sin. He declares me not guilty. The court the courtroom is there as I make the confession of my guilt, that I confess to the police officer, I confess to the judge. And what does the judge do? Righteousness. You are right. You are not guilty. You are forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ and the payment he made for your sin. Amazing. God declares me not guilty because of the work of Jesus in repentance. I enjoy this forgiveness. That's what's waiting for us. That's what's being offered. When, when Jesus talks about the message of repentance and forgiveness, don't get caught up in the fear of repentance, the fear of confessing, the, the fear of being exposed because there's this joy of forgiveness, this righteousness and blessedness that comes as a result. He goes on. David just got done with his story and now he's talking to you today again and to me. Therefore, because of what I found out, therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. That he's saying to God, Lord, let these people pray to you today. Not one more day of the misery. Not one more day of the hiding. Not one more day of the cover-up. Surely, let them pray while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. No longer a slave to fear, surrounded by those songs of deliverance. I am a child of God. That as David stands before the people and before God, that he's saying, you know what? That, that now that I have this, as a result, you surround me with your love. It's a hug. It's a God hug. It's a forgiveness hug. And we all need them. We all 
need them. And if you haven't given someone a good forgiveness hug and an I love you hug, today's the day. Today's the day of that forgiveness, of, of confessing sin and showing the love of Jesus Christ. In the blank, you can write today. Today is the day to follow David's example of repentance and enjoy access to God and all of his blessings. This is what God has in store for you. The next word, Psalm 32, 8 and 9. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Now we get to, this is the horse, which Jesus is the righteousness. Now this comes to how our lives are going to change. Christ has made us free, set us free from the yoke of slavery. Why do we want to go back and get under it again? And now what it's talking about is have, knowing what it's like to have lived, trying to pursue happiness and using sin as a way to do that, that the Lord is saying, now is the time where you devote your lives to him. One of the, the questions in the growth group notes is this, is it talks about, explain what it means that living the Christian life is its own reward. Living the Christian life is its own reward. And what I mean by that is this. I am not afraid when my wife's cell phone rings that it's a mistress calling to tell her that I've been cheating on her. Because I'm not. When a car drives slowly by my house, I'm not worried that it's a drug dealer that's going to riddle my house with bullets unless he's at the wrong house, which could happen. <laughs> Maybe I should be more concerned. I don't worry about that. I don't. I, I, and, and as you look at there, I can go through a number of different things. I'm not saying nothing bad's going to happen to me. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that I don't live in constant fear that, that the sins that I commit are being exposed. For goodness sake, stand next to me Sunday and you can hear me confess them. Now, that's the way it is. And, and, and to be open and honest, living the Christian life is its own reward. And what God is saying is this, though. Don't be like the horse or the mule. And the horse and the mule that have the bridle, don't, for goodness sakes, the, the life of a Christian is not the pastor pounding on you to do the right things. And what he's talking about is living your life not with a law motivation, but with a gospel motivation. Law motivation changes your behavior. Gospel motivation changes your heart. So what that means is, in practicality is this. Law motivation for me when, when I'm driving is I see a cop and I slow down. The cop goes on to an off-ramp, I speed back up. And why? Because I want to drive faster than the speed limit. And, and having the law there changes my behavior for a certain period of time. And I've told somebody this long and I'm telling everything today. Until the day when I got my ticket for going through a red light in Scottsdale, on video, going through while I was on my cell phone. And uh, of course they mail it and my wife committed mail fraud by opening it. And... Uh, <laughs> And looking at the pictures. 
Anyways, but one thing happened that day. One, one thing happened that, and, and that's this. I had to go to an eight-hour traffic school in person. And, and I'm just telling you, eight hours in person, it's like, oh, this is worse than death. But I went to it. I went to that class. And I'm going to tell you that, I'm, I, I mean this with my whole heart, it changed me. And it changed me because I find out how many people die in Phoenix intersections through people doing exactly what I did. On the phone, speeding through a red light, when someone's, you, you guys live here, you know. You, you know what it's like, what it looks like, 51st and baseline, 19th and baseline, wherever, wherever you drive, you've seen these cars before too. People dying. And on that day, it was convicting to say, Dan, you know why that happens? Because of people like you who are in a big hurry to go nowhere. Slow down and stop at these lights. And it did. And, and what happened is it, it wasn't focused on changing my behavior. It changed my thoughts and the way that I thought about it. And you need to change the way that you look at sin and the happiness that you believe that it brings because it doesn't. You are loved so much by God that he does not want you caught in the middle of of what it's like to live loving something else more than him. Any God you have more than the the God, God, and and look at the the God of of sex with David is a tyrant. The, the, The God of murder is a tyrant. He's going to destroy your life for a moment of happiness. You are going to pay for it for the rest of your life. And the Lord says, no, but when you pursue blessedness and you follow me willingly, that you lay down your life to me, you are going to find joy. And what changes in the middle of it is your heart and your desire to do what is right and follow him. And it doesn't become a have to. It becomes a get to. And something that you are so blessed and you see it as you do it. That's the blessing of repentance. It is. It's the blessing of of living God's way and God's love, showing love to God's people. And there is nothing more beautiful than God showing it to you. A life of devotion follows a life of repentance. A life of devotion follows a life of repentance. God wants us to be motivated by his love. And if you are not, not by fear, not by punishment, but by his forgiveness and love. And that is why on a daily basis, he wants you going back into his word to see how much you truly are loved. Finally, many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. I'm gonna read it one more time. It's what I've been saying the whole time. Many are the woes of the wicked. David's like, I've been there. I've been wicked. I know it's nothing but woe. But that's not me anymore. The Lord's unfailing love surrounds those who trust in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. And so the summary, the psalm summary, entrust your heart to God and his unfailing love. You will receive his blessing when you do. Do you want to be blessed by God? I mean, truly. Do you want all of the blessings of heaven? the maker of heaven and earth, the one who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay for your sins, the Holy Spirit who works through the power of the word in your hearts and in your lives and produces fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, all of those different things. Do you want his blessing? 
They come to the poor in heart. They come to those who mourn. They come to you whose sins are forgiven, whose transgression is covered. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we do thank you that you give us all the blessings of heaven through Jesus Christ. Some days, Lord, they seem so distant because we, we, get, we buy into this happiness thing where we want to be happy all the time. But Lord, we don't have that. We have something better. We have the joy. We have the joy of forgiveness. We have the joy of heaven. We have the joy of the identity of being your child, a child of God loved by you. Lord, we have a, 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 the joy of our destiny of heaven where we're going to be with you for an eternity. Lord, help us live in this joy, the joy of forgiveness, and help us on a, on a daily basis and on an hourly basis, sometimes on a minute-by-minute basis, to confess our sins to you and turn to you for your mercy. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. All right, as you go today, remember the blessings of repentance. Uh, reminder, next week, U-turn continues, so please join us for that. Also on the patio, we, we do have those guests today from ACSTO, from the, the Christian schools, Lutheran schools. So please uh, take a moment to say hi to the, them and welcome our guests as well. And now as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. Lord, bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord, look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great day.